Greetings again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of OSI Today, the podcast featuring news and views from around the Office of Special Investigations. I'm Wayne Amon from OSI Public Affairs. August 1st, 2023 marks the 75th anniversary of OSI's inception. Throughout the year, the command is commemorating the occasion based on the theme, inspired by our past, OSI's future starts today. And with me to discuss how the OSI Center fits into that scenario is Center Senior Enlisted Leader, Chief Master Sergeant Matthew Veltry. Chief, welcome aboard of the program. Great to have you with us today. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Let's uh, kind of dive in with a little bit of a history uh, lesson, if we can. Uh, a 2018 memorandum from the Air Force, uh, then Vice Air Force, then Air Force Vice Chief of Staff General Stephen W. Wilson approved an organizational merger to activate the center. Now, could you please elaborate uh, briefly on what areas merged to create the current center construct? Sure. So. To, to oversimplify it, um, it was Region 7 and the Icon Squadron. Uh, and now, Icon, now, now for our uh, uh, novice listeners, Icon stands for what? The Investigations, Collections, Operations Nexus. Okay. And so uh, those two things, so ironically, the, the Icon Squadron was aligned under Region 7 at one point. Mm-hmm. as one of Region 7's squadrons. Um, and so the capabilities from both. And so Region 7 uh, at the time had all of the, all of the command specialties. I see. Uh, and we're talking polygraph, tech service, um, TSCM, the techno- technical surveillance, countermeasures, mm-hmm. digital forensics, uh, forensic sciences, uh, cyber operations, offensive counterintelligence, specialty surveillance team, uh, AST, as well as uh, executive protection. And our AST stands for what, Chief? The anti-terrorism specialty team. Gotcha. Okay. And so uh, those were all under Region 7, and a couple of those uh, had some direct links with the ICON um, squadron. Mm-hmm. And so the Icon Squadron was developed to to provide a kind of a strategic belly button, if you will, uh, for strategic operations across the command. Mm-hmm. Um, they also included what we now know as the center's divisions. So the the criminal intelligence division, the law enforcement division, uh, specialized services division, um, all of those divisions that we currently have uh, were really housed under the under the icon squadron. I see. Uh, and so all of those were brought together uh, to really align the command efforts from a strategic point of view, uh, because each of those, and there's there's three specific areas that it was merged to kind of address. And that's the offensive counterintelligence mission, as well as the cyber threat pursuit, uh, as we called it then. And, and the AST, the anti-terrorism specialty teams, right. uh, those had execution responsibilities uh, at the tactical level under Region 7. However, the strategic oversight and deconfliction uh, and targeting was all uh, done at the ICON Center. Or, sorry, excuse me, not the center, the uh, ICON Squadron. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and so, as you can imagine, that that provided some conflict 
uh, in mission areas and, and uh, strategic goals. Mm-hmm. So, so things uh, began to really streamline with this merger. Is that kind of a fair assessment? Yes, sir. Well, we like to think so. <laughs> right. Now, uh, uh, let's take a look at uh, maybe some advantages that that ICON slash Region 7 merger uh, offer the command. I know one uh, uh, in, in doing a little research on the command uh, on the uh, center is that uh, uh, the center itself is not uh, tethered to any one command out in the field. So you offer your services uh, uh, across the entire uh, uh, broad spectrum of commands out there in the Air Force and Space Force. Absolutely. And so um, it's kind of a a centralized C2 with a decentralized execution. Uh-huh. Um, and so what that does is it allows us to, at the center, to be able to have, and throughout our divisions, uh, to have a strategic perspective of what's going on, not only across the command, but across the globe. Uh, in various areas around the world, there's always something different that becomes a priority. Right. And so, um, having the ability to to control that and have the communications with our squadrons uh, enables us to, one, support the field uh, in their investigations and inform the, the senior leaders, uh, not only from the region level um, to the OSI level to the half level uh-huh. um, of events, um, and, and like we've said in the past, our mission is to find the truth, right? As right, OSI. Right. Um, and so being able to offer those facts and have a, a good strategic perspective of what's going on uh, allows us to not get so focused uh, on the trees, rather be able to see the forest. So it sounds like uh, flexibility is, is a major part of the, the construct uh, there at the, the current center. Would that be another fair assessment? Yes. Yeah. Uh, with, with our five squadrons, uh, two detachments, and eight divisions, we, are, we can be super flexible to whatever the emerging threats or situations may be uh, to keep people informed, support their efforts to either combat them or neutralize them. Right. Now, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, such a, a wide range of, of, uh, of, of expertise that the, that the center offers. Uh, what uh, kind of unique challenge or challenges does that diverse responsibility present for the center these days? So um, as you can tell, there's, there's a lot going on. Right. Um, and so each one of those requires a lot of communication, uh, a lot of awareness, and not just communication within the center, but communication down to the field, communication with headquarters and our program managers. Um, and then, you know, communication up and down to see what the priorities are of the various AORs. Mm-hmm. I see. Uh, and again, AOR uh, for our novice listeners, uh, the area of responsibility. Um, now, uh, in, a, in an OSI public affairs article uh, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, the first center commander, uh, back then Colonel Scott Kiefer, said the primary purposes of the center are to inform, execute, and integrate. Uh, how do you view that assessment by Colonel Kiefer? Well, I think that all still holds true for the center. Uh, Those are our main tenants, along with um, support being a large part of what we do is to provide support to the field via specialties, uh, 
for their their field level investigations uh-huh. um so so now it's we call it inform support and execute I see. And like i said we we inform the chain of command up, both up and down right um of situations uh, all the way up to to dod level mm-hmm. uh, we support our field units in you know any of those specialty capabilities that we bring to the table mm-hmm. and then we also execute in our offensive counterintelligence and cyber missions uh, across the across the globe and the half I see. Now, uh, obviously, uh, with such a, a massive responsibility, uh, uh, you folks in the center are uh, a real uh, kind of like a one-stop shop, kind of a 24-7 operation. Uh, is that is that an, a third fair assessment? <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, our phones never stop ringing and there's never never a, a dull moment. I see. Now, um, uh, what are some of the mission highlights the center can reflect on that are uh, defining its legacy? Obviously, um, uh, the center has been in its current construct, uh, you know, since 2018, so about five years or so. Um, but still, I know there's uh, some uh, some highlights the center can uh, really hang their hat on that uh, can really be uh, proud of in just a, kind of a short history uh, in its current uh, uh, current um, uh, construct. Yeah, so I think uh, our response to major incidents, how our threat response division works with field leaders, liaison officers, and other law enforcement and counterintelligence partners to quickly resolve issues is one of the one of the greatest things that we can do. Um, they're plugged in all over the place uh, uh-huh. and and kind of a whole of government approach. Um, also, the teams have developed strategic counterintelligence initiatives, garnering whole government support and focus. Um, one of the initiatives that uh, that came along about the same time as the center is uh, Spartan Citadel, and that's our tech protect efforts. I um, see. Trying to get as far left of the bang, if you will, right. um, as we possibly can. And so just to protect something that's introduced to our inventory is no longer good enough because oftentimes those things are compromised long before they even get to us. And I would imagine too, Chief, that uh, with the way technology changes so rapidly these days, uh, you almost need like a scorecard to keep up with it. And uh, uh, as you mentioned, uh, something like that, certainly uh, just in that area alone, uh, must keep the center on its toes uh, uh, pretty much every day. Yes. Yeah. We've got a, a lot of professionals and, and very smart people up here that are able to keep track of that stuff. They have great teams um, that are constantly, you know, looking for ways to improve um, and making sure that we can execute the mission the best the OSI commander needs us to. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, uh, you talk about uh, some of the great things that uh, the uh, center people are doing and have done. Uh, I know uh, in, my, in my case, uh, covering the uh, center uh, for OSI Public Affairs, uh, you have some really uh, outstanding people uh, that uh, uh, take care of incidents that uh, uh, they have to almost do on the fly uh, to, you know, perhaps to maybe save someone's life or, or give them the guidance they need uh, uh, so they don't do something that they really shouldn't do. And uh, that you can really uh, uh, be proud of uh, the folks who, who handle those kind of situations down there at the center. Absolutely. We've got, uh, and if, if I can, I'll just speak about our, yeah, go ahead. our watch real quick. Yeah, that's, um, a, that's, a, that's a, to me, that's the real 24-7 part that you guys have. 
Absolutely, both literally and figuratively. Okay. <laughs> um, and so we've got now across the center, we've got a ton of folks from different career fields, uh, Intel career fields, um, cyber career fields. Specifically in the watch, we have folks from the uh, from the command post career fields. And mm -hmm. oftentimes when they come to us, they're very young in their careers. Right. Um, and so what a lot of people don't understand is that they're not agents. So when someone calls the OSI watch or the global watch, they're, they're getting a young command post controller right. uh, who's not necessarily been exposed to some of the things that we get exposed to as agents right. and for those of us who've been in the command for a while. And so some of the things that they deal with and the way they deal with them are unbelievable. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, can't talk enough about them, how they're able to, you know, take this information in. Um, sometimes it's transparent that they're not an agent to whoever's yeah. calling. Right. Um, and, and so they're able to take it in. They're able to keep their composure, stay calm. Uh, even if it's uh, really surprising or information that they're not necessarily expecting to hear over the phone. Right. Um, right. It, sometimes it may be the first time they've ever been exposed to some of the things that they're being called about. Uh -huh. uh, and they're able to handle it quickly, quietly, uh, and get people connected the way they need to be connected in order to uh, find the quickest resolution we can. Right. Uh, I, I, I kind of equate that, uh, you know, for in, in the civilian world, as far as uh, uh, maybe being the OSI version of, uh, you know, the uh, the 911 people that you call up uh, to get a resolution and to get help with something. Is that uh, um, uh, an adequate comparison? Uh, I would say so. Um, yeah, they're they're able to connect people. Uh, there's a, an anonymous tip line that that they can answer. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're able to put people together and they're able to take the information, pass it along accurately and quickly um, and, and come to a resolution. Right. Now, uh, Chief, um, uh, again, to put on your uh, history hat a little bit here, uh, who have been some of the more notable contributors to the center's early success uh, that uh, perhaps you've seen or that uh, uh, you know have uh, come before you there at the center? So, so this one's kind of a tough one because uh, I know that the list could be very long <laughs> and distinguished. I realize that <laughs> it is, it is. Yeah. Um, and so, as I've been looking at the center creation and and throughout my career, I've really kind of just kept my head down and not really pay attention to what other people were doing. Uh -huh. uh, just kind of focused on my own thing. Um, so, so it was educational to go back through our founding documents and and see who really played played some significant roles. Right. Uh, obviously, obviously the the commanders, all the commanders that have commanded the center since its inception, right. uh, it really begins with them. They they uh, they set the environment, they give a vision, and they allow the folks to pursue that. Uh, being able to think outside the box, do things, you know, some unique ways in some cases. Right. Um, and so so I think the, the commanders really are the ones who set the tone for all of that, uh, specifically Colonel Kiefer, when he was uh, when he was asked to stand it up and he was he was the first one. Right. Um, I think his vision really set set the ball in motion uh, for what the center is has become and right. is going to continue to become. Right. Um, I would also say that uh, 
and uh, I say this because I followed him, okay. uh, Chief Gao, his right. his contributions were were super significant. Uh, his vision on how we could get after uh, a mission set or problem set. Right. And with the limited resources that we have, he was able to find uh, external ways to get the resources we need and by resources i'm specifically talking about people right Um, right and so we've got some air national guard folks who work with us Uh uh, out of the 192nd down at langley right um and so they they've been working with us for the past several years and doing an incredible job and and it was chief gal's vision that really kind of opened things like that up as right. possibilities. And then of course I, you can't talk about the center without talking about Jack Angelo. Uh-huh. Uh, so he was really the, the father of Spartan Citadel okay. um, and our tech protect mission. Um, and he's really evolved it and, and looking at a problem set from a different perspective that allowed us to get as far left as we, as we can uh-huh. uh, to combat some of the threats that we're facing today. Right. And of course, uh, Chief Gao has gone on to become the uh, OSI command chief. So another another center success story. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> now, uh, uh, Chief, uh, how do you envision the future of the center putting on your or, or rubbing your crystal ball there a little bit? Uh, how do you see the center uh, uh, down the road? So it's really hard to say. I, I think the center is going to continue continue to evolve. I know every day we're having conversations on how we can make things better, how, how we can uh, increase the synergy between the field, the center, and other equities across the DAF and DOD, uh-huh. um, not to mention our international partners. Right. And so just trying to figure out what right should be for the uh-huh. time that it needs to be. And so um, what was good for yesterday is probably not going to be good for tomorrow. Yeah. And our ability, you mentioned flexibility earlier, sure. uh, our ability to be flexible to the, the threats, the problem sets, and the things that the DAF leadership wants us to get after. Uh, I think that's that's going to be key as we evolve into the future. And of course, supporting not only the Air Force, but the Space Force uh, throughout yeah. their law enforcement issues and mm-hmm. and counterintelligence concerns uh, and and competing with our near peer or peer competitors. Right. Um, it's all, it's going to be a constant evolution, I think. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of moving parts are involved with this chief. And so uh, uh, you kind of keep your head on a swivel, I guess. Yes, sir. It's uh, it, it's a lot to take in. Um, but there's a lot of us up here and, and for good reason, uh-huh. uh, because no, no single person could be able to, uh, be, have the awareness and the wherewithal to be able to address all these issues independently um, as they emerge. Right. Now, Chief, before we wrap things up today, is there anything else you'd like to add about being part of OSI's 75th anniversary observance? Well, I'm, I'm flattered that you asked me to, to be here. Uh, hopefully I've provided some good information and a little bit of context to, mm-hmm. to the center and how, how our role um, merges with everyone else's roles across the command in the Air Force and Space Force. Um, I'm looking forward to, to the 75th anniversary observances uh, throughout the year. It's pretty amazing if you look back 75 years. Yeah. Um, 
And, just one, and, just one, just one year younger than the Air Force itself. That's right. That's yeah. right. Um, <laughs> there was a lot going on back then. Sure. Uh, just watching, I mean, and not even military related, but just watching TV. There's a lot of things that that are coming up on their 75th anniversary this year. And so, back in the day when uh, Joseph Carroll created OSI and and started forging it into what it's become. Um, there was a lot of things going on in the country back then and around the world. And so I think we're going to continue to be in the thick of it uh, for years to come. Well said. Our guest has been Chief Master Sergeant Matthew Veltry, the senior enlisted leader of the OSI Center. Chief, thanks again for taking the time to be with us. Always great to chat with you. Yes, sir. Thank you. And thanks to all of you listening for tuning in. For OSI Today, I'm Wayne Amon saying so long for now.